Good morning, Golden Corner Church. Well, it is the first Sunday of a brand new year. And this morning, I want us to talk about what God is going to do at Golden Corner Church in 2016. But before we do, I'd like your permission to kind of take a quick look back at 2015. When I look back this week at 2015, a word came to my mind, and that word is transitioned. 2015 was a year of change for our church, and in some ways those changes were quite dramatic. You know, we had to transition from meeting on Sunday mornings at the Wahala High School Auditorium to holding our Sunday services Back at our building, our dramatically improved, incredibly beautiful building. To make this transition, we had to transition from one Sunday service to two Sunday morning services. And to do that, we had to recruit a lot of additional volunteers. As a matter of fact, in 2015, we probably tripled the number of volunteers who are working on an average Sunday at Golden Corner Church. We transitioned from the old church concept of membership to the new concept of partnership. In addition to these changes, there were staff changes. January 2015, we hired Scott Lee as our part-time small groups pastor. And uh, when Scott started, he was working part-time with the Oconee School District. And he began to work part-time with us. And then in May of, of, of last year, uh, Sheila Bagwell, our preschool director of 14 years who had done an incredible job, stepped down and, and we replaced her with Tracy Haney, longtime employee of the preschool. And then in June, Mark Bagwell. After 22 years of faithful service to this church, our care pastor, our founding pastor, stepped down so he could devote himself to the development of a brand new ministry, Shade Tree Ministries. And we took Mark's responsibilities and we gave them to Scott so that Scott is now our full-time associate pastor. As a result of these transitions, I know that Golden Corner Church is different. Much different than it was just a year ago. And I also know that in many ways, these transitions were hard on some of you, the members of the Golden Corner Church family. I want you to know that these transitions were also very taxing on the staff of your church. But here's the good news. Together with the help of God, we navigated each and every one of these very challenging changes. Transitioned. That's the word that best describes what God did at Golden Corner in 2015. Now, when I look ahead to 2016, I believe I know the word that's going to best describe what God does at Golden Corner this year, and that word is transformed. I know what some of you just thought. Transitioned, transformed. Ronnie, aren't those words synonymous Are you trying to tell us that there's more change on the way for Golden Corner 
in 2016, uh, hopefully, hopefully there's going to be a lot of change at Golden Corner Church in 2016. Now, I'm not talking about corporate change. I don't think we're going to change the location of our Sunday services this year. Uh, I don't see us adding a third service on Sunday mornings this year. I don't see us altering our programming to any great degree, and I certainly don't see any major staff changes on the horizon. What I'm saying is I don't see a lot of transitions in our immediate future. Well, boy, I am anticipating a lot of transformation in 2016. Last year, God transitioned our church. This year, he wants to transform us. He wants to transform you and you and you and me. Let me explain myself. We're going to read one verse from the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I know what some of you Bible students just thought. The book of Romans... You just checked out because this is what you think. It's impossible to understand the book of Romans. Nobody in this building could understand that any more than me having spent the week studying in the book of Romans. Let me set the stage before we read the verse. The book of Romans was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church located in Rome, a church a lot like us. And he wrote this letter being led by the Holy Spirit so that it is the Word of God. Starts off the letter with a, a greeting. Hey, this is Paul. Hope this letter finds you doing well. You can read that for yourself. Then immediately begins to talk about our sinfulness and the trouble that our sins had gotten us into with God. And he, and he talks about it quite a bit. As a matter of fact, if you read it, it'll make you very uncomfortable. And then against the dark backdrop of our sinfulness, he begins to talk about God and how gracious he is and how loving he is. And how from his grace and his love, he took care of things so that we could be saved from our sins. And then then he begins to talk about all the wonderful benefits that come into the lives of those who have been saved. And he does this all the way through the first 11 chapters. Then he comes to chapter number 12 and his letter changes its tone. And I just spit on you, John boy. That had some good velocity behind it. He changes the tone of his letter, and in essence, this is what he says, because God has done so much for you Christians at Rome, here's what you ought to do for him. Considering all that he's done, this is what you need to do for him. So let's read verse number two with that in mind. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you to what degree? Into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Now, i got to confess something to you. I worked seven days this week. Seven days. Three days. Three full days I spent trying to understand this verse. Now, I'd known for weeks this was where I was going on this particular Sunday morning. And so, you know, I thought I understood Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and still I, until I started digging into it this week. I realized, man, this thing's complicated. So here's what I'm going to do. 
You're going to whisper a prayer right now in your heart and say, God, help me get what he's about to say next. Okay? You got it? Did you pray it? Help me. I, I, it was so complicated, I'm going to read you my interpretation of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You ready? You're going to hang with me. Good. One guy. Me and you, buddy. <laughs> Paul starts verse 2 with a don't. I want you to note that this was a suggest, not a suggestion, but rather a command. To understand this command, we've got to first understand what Paul meant by this world. He said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. The world Paul referred to is actually a philosophy of living. In the world's philosophy of living, self takes God's place and life revolves around what we want rather than what God wants. This philosophy originated in the heart of the devil, and he has done a great job spreading this philosophy throughout the human race. Paul told the Roman Christians not to copy the behavior and customs of the world. What does that mean? He was commanding them, don't think like and don't act like the world. Now, why would he command them not to do that? What would be the harm in that? The phrase, copy the behavior and customs that we read in the New Living Translation of the Bible, means to masquerade, or to wear a mask, or to hide what is really inside of you. Are you impressed with this interpretation so far? You're getting it? Man, I'm worried. You're not getting it, are you? You're getting it? Well, I can't blame you. It took me three days to get it, so... Paul didn't want the Roman Christians to masquerade themselves as worldly people. He wanted the world to look at these believers and see what was inside them. And what was inside them? A person. Jesus was inside them. Paul knew that if the Romans thought like the world, they'd act like the world. And if they acted like the world, they would hide Jesus from the world. So he says to them, don't do that. Having told them what not to do, he proceeds to tell them what they should do. He says, let God transform you into a new person. Paul encouraged the Romans to let God transform them. Ronnie, what in the world does that mean? Most of you know that the the New Testament was written in the Greek language. And the Greek word for transformed is metamorpho. Now, does that impress you? This is not a country rube you're talking about. I know you think I'm a hick. I'm talking Greek this morning. The Greek word for transformed was metamorpho, from which we get our English word metamorphosis. And what does that mean? Metamorphosis simply means profound change. To be changed from one thing to another. We got examples of it in nature. Caterpillars turning into butterflies. Metamorphosis. 
You know, Tim McCall's our lead pastor, and, and I don't know if you know this, now, Tim has a master's degree from Clemson University. He's educated. So I stopped him, struggling to, to interpret this verse as I was. I stopped him in the hallway, and I said, Tim, when I say the word metamorphosis to you, what do you think? Now, knowing I'm speaking with an educated man, I fully expect him to say something like this. Well, Ronnie, I'll tell you what comes to my mind is probably the southern Luna moth. And it starts off as a common brown caterpillar. Under the sixth full moon of its existence, it knows to instinctively migrate to the mimosa tree where it shrouds itself in an intricate cocoon made up only of the little branches, the little twigs you see holding the leaves to the stems. And then... uh, only under the summer equinox does it know instinctively it's time to emerge, not as the common brown caterpillar, but the southern one. I expected something like that. Now, here's how it went. I said, Tim, when I say the word metamorphosis, what do you think? He said, Power Rangers, it's morphin' time, man. <laughs> so apparently a better example of metamorphosis would be teenagers morphing into superheroes wearing brightly colored, tight-fitting costumes. Of course, Tim's answer was better than Scott Lee's. I stepped to Scott Lee's door and I said, I said, Scott, when I say metamorphosis, what do you think? And I quote, huh? Metamorphosis or transform means to be completely changed. Paul wanted the Romans to let God change them profoundly, so profoundly that they actually became a new person, not just a better person. When the world looked at the Roman Christians, Paul wanted them to see someone new. I think he wanted them to see Jesus. And here's what leads me to believe that. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul used the word metamorpho again when he told the church at Corinth the goal of every believer's metamorphosis or transformation is Christ-likeness. God wanted the members of the church in Rome to let God so change them that the world no longer saw them but saw the Jesus who was living in them. Now, you ready for the culmination of three days of hard work? Let me give you the Hodge translation of Romans chapter 12, verse 2 at this point. You ready? Paul told the Romans, don't think like the world or you're going to act like the world. And if you act like the world, you'll hide Jesus from the world. Rather, let God so profoundly change you that the world no longer sees you but they see Jesus who lives in you. That's a command. Now, you're quiet because you're in a conviction or you didn't get a word I just said. (laughs) As the pastor of this church, I know what God wants to do in each of our lives. He wants to transform us in 2016. This is supposed to be a year of transformation, the same kind of transformation that Paul desired for the Christians at Rome. Which means it's time for us to stop thinking like and acting like the world. 
It's time to stop hiding Jesus from the people we encounter every day. It's time for radical change. To quote the great scholar and theologian Tim McCall, it's morphing time. It's time for a real transformation. We must let God so profoundly change us that people no longer see us. But rather they see Jesus who lives within us. I want us to look back at Romans chapter 12 verse 2 one more time. Or excuse me, we're going to look at it a couple of times. And I want you to note two things about it. Two things that are said. First, only God can perform this transformation. Paul said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let, who is it? God transform you into a new person. This is not something you and I can do through sheer willpower. It's not something we can accomplish on our own. However, also note that God won't transform us without our cooperation. Paul said, don't you copy the behavior and customs of this world, but key word, I mean a key word, you see it? Let God transform you into a new person. You know what I learned from that? We can prevent this transformation, but we can allow it. The choice is ours. God wants to transform us. God can transform us. But he won't transform us until we're willing to cooperate with him. We've got to let the transformation take place. And how do we do that? It requires more than good intentions and the right words. It requires action on our part. People who are transformed devote themselves to four practices. And I find this in the New Testament book of Acts chapter 2, in particular verse 42. People who are cooperating with God and therefore being transformed are devoted to number one, prayer. Number two, learning the Bible. Number three, obedience. And number four, fellowship. And I'm using that word in the biblical sense, which is describing a way of living by being by being joined together in meaningful relationships with other believers, recognizing they need you and you need them, so they're helping you and you're helping them. When we devote ourselves to these four practices, we're opening up our lives so that God can step in and transform us. Now, this time of year, a lot of us are thinking about a physical transformation, aren't we? We're going to lose those extra pounds and we're going to chisel our body i tell you, by this time next year, we're all going to be wearing skinny jeans or yoga pants. I'm not sure which direction I'm going in. And I guess you regret and I put that image in your mind. We're going to be transformed from being pear-shaped to being in shape. We're going to be so transformed to look like bodybuilders, not bowling pins. We're going to be transformed from relaxed fit to slim fit, right? Wrong. Unless, unless we are willing 
to devote ourselves to a couple of new practices. Eating less and exercising more. A spiritual transformation won't happen without some effort on our part any more than a physical transformation will take place with no effort on our part. God's part is to change us. Our part is to devote ourselves to these four simple things. Now, I, I think I know what many of you just thought. Well, if that's what it takes, deal me out. Just deal me out. I, I've tried to devote myself to those four things in the past, and in the end, I just always end up giving up. I know. Hey, I'm one of you. I know it's not easy to do. But if you have failed to do that, I think I know what you need. I think you need God to change the way you think about these four practices. Now let's look at Romans 12, 2 one last time. Paul says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. What's that next phrase? By changing the way you think. You see that? By changing the way you think. Paul told the Romans that in order to transform them, God would have to change their thinking. We'll never be transformed until we are devoted to prayer, uh, you know, learning the Bible, obedience, and fellowship. But we're never going to devote ourselves to them until our thinking about those four things changes. I've been pastoring for over 28 years. And throughout the course of my ministry, I've watched one person after another struggle to be committed to these practices. And I think I'm just beginning to understand why. I think the problem is their thinking. Now, the average person that, that I have pastored, you know how they think about prayer? They think prayer is a last resort. God gives us a mind. He gives us abilities. He gives us resources. You face a problem. What do you do? You apply your mind, your abilities, and resources to solve the problem. Only if you see that in the end you can't solve the problem, then you pray. And we think, we think prayers for emergencies only. Tornado coming? Pray. Step in front of a moving vehicle? Pray. Bear rip the side of your tent out? Run and Pray. You know what? As long as that's what we think about prayer, it's only a last resort. You only do it in emergencies. We'll never be devoted to prayer. I know what most people think about the Bible. That this book is absolutely impossible to understand. Written in some kind of code. I just didn't get the key to the code. You can't possibly understand it. Or people believe this. It is completely irrelevant to my life. Ronnie just lost my job, and we're trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And you want me to read this book that's about shepherds and sheep? What's that got to do with anything? As long as that's the way we think about the Bible, we never devote ourselves to learning it. I know what the average person I've pastored thinks about obedience. It's optional. That God in heaven's ultimate objective is that we're happy, and if we're going to be happy, we've got to be comfortable. And so if God, even if God himself were to tell you to do something and you realize it's going to take you out of your comfort zone or it's going to cost you something that really makes you happy, then you've got the option of saying back to God, nah, I think I'll pass. Now, as long as that's the way you feel about obedience, you'll never develop a lifestyle of obedience. 
And a lot of people I pastor, I know how to think about fellowship. I don't need other people. I'm strong. Or their self-esteem is so poor they think nobody could possibly need me. And as long as that's the way you think, you'll never connect with the body of Christ. So what do you think we need? I think we need God to change our thinking. So let me tell you my part in this. I'm going to spend most of 2016 teaching on four topics. Most of it. Four topics. I'm going to let you guess what those four topics are going to be. You got it. Prayer. We're going to talk about the Bible from the Bible. Obedience. And fellowship. Now, I've wasted a lot of my ministry. I've wasted a lot of other people's time. I've spent a lot of my ministry teaching people how to do these things. When the whole time they were sitting there thinking, I'm never going to do that. Let me tell you what I'm going to do this year. I'm aiming for your mind first and your heart next. I'm asking God to use me and use his word to change the way you think so that you want to do these things. You don't see them as a drudgery. You don't see them as a ritual. You don't see them as something you'd rather get out of and not do. That you want to do these things, then I'll teach you how. How's that sound? Here's the way I see this going down. This year, God's going to change the way we think. Then we're going to begin cooperating with him. Then he's going to start transforming us into a new person. And then the people in our world are going to start seeing the Jesus who lives inside us. Key word for the year. You ready? This is the key word. Transformed. That is the big buzzword for go to corner church to hear. That sets the, the agenda for what God wants to do our church. Transformed. Key verse, Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. You know what I want you to do? Highlight it in your Bible. You got the version app on your phone? Bookmark it. I'd love for you to read that verse at least once a week, if not every day. But there is one little phrase in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, that I want you to write down on a post-it note, and that is, let God transform you into a new person. Write it on a post-it, put it on your bathroom mirror, put it on the refrigerator, put it on the dash of your car, so that every time you look at that, you realize what your objective is for this year. Your objective is to let God transform you into an absolutely new person. Now you ask, man, I got seven minutes to close this baby out. You ask, hmm. Why? Why would I do this? If I ask you, what does the world in which we live need? What is it this world needs? You know how you'd answer me? Jesus. We could narrow it on down and I could ask you, what does America need? And I've heard many of you say that. Our country needs Jesus. Some of you, 
in your mind, you're narrowing it way on down. And you're thinking, the people I work with, they need Jesus. Some of you got it narrowed way on down. The person I live with, they need Jesus. God knows that. So he came up with this ingenious plan that every person he saved, he would put Jesus inside them. And then he would take them through this radical transformation so that Jesus took over their body and their mind so that these people in their world who need Jesus would have immediate access to him and he would have immediate access to them. That was the plan. Now, when you and I say, uh, no, I won't be devoted to prayer. I'm not devoting myself to learning the Bible. I'm not devoted to, going to devote myself to obedience and fellowship. I'm not doing that. You're making a decision to prevent this transformation. That's the decision you've made. And when you've made the decision not to experience the transformation, you have made the decision to hide Jesus from people who need him. Do you understand the real choice we've made? Told Lynn, when we make the decision not to be transformed, we're saying to those around us, why would you want Jesus when you got me? If we hide Jesus from them, is that best for them? No. Is that what you really want? So what are we going to do? We're going to let God transform us into a new person. So what's next? Well, next week I'm going to start a series of sermons entitled The Wow Factor. And as you see as we get into it, these sermons are designed to be a tool in the hand of God that he uses to change the way we think. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for including us in such a marvelous, wonderful plan to get Jesus to the people in our world. And I guess we need to offer an apology to you and ask you to forgive us if we have in any way prevented the transformation from taking place that that you intended to take place in us. I pray that this year we'll be more serious about being Christians than we've ever been. And then we'll open our hearts and minds to you and your word. 
we'll cooperate with you so that you can transform us. And Lord, I know this, that as this transformation takes place in us, there's going to be a transformation that takes place around us. Others are going to be changed. That's so exciting. So I thank you, Lord, for calling this meeting, coming here today, letting us worship you and praise you, but for these thoughts that you have shared with us from your word. God, give the increase to them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.